0: The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC. Welcome to those of you joining online. Happy Father's Day to you today. It's good to be in the house of the Lord and celebrating fatherhood. My girls came uh, to early service, uh, which is odd. (laughs) And they were all dolled up, which is odd. On a Sunday morning, they, I think I'm hopeful that they're home making dinner or something. Or maybe they went to Shields to get <laughs> my boys. One, uh, Joel, he is in Mississippi finishing up. Uh, he leaves uh, this week and goes to Cherry Point, North Carolina. I was Googling that yesterday. It looks like a place to visit. It's right on the coast, man. Jonah went with a friend to Glacier National Park. They left Friday. They made it last night sometime. I sent two things with him. I had nothing to do with the trip. I told him, You're welcome to use any camping stuff we have. I sent two things with him going there on uh, his, his first trip like this on his own. I sent a can of bear spray and a GPS. <laughs> said, Good luck, man. Uh, so anyway, uh, kind of fun uh, to, to be a dad and I'm I'm thankful for all of my kids, and I know you dads are as well. This month, we've been celebrating humility and learning to walk in the favor of, of God. And that's, that's such an important thing. Our theme verse is God, it's 1 Peter 5:5. 5, 5, 5, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And so that's a very powerful place to live in, where I'm in a place where God's favor is falling on my life. It's really the best place for a human to be. You're consistently experiencing the favor of God falling on your life. And he tells us specifically in the word that he opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And I think a good way to think about it is when you see yourself small, God sees you as tall. And when you see yourself tall, God sees you as small. And so we got to flip uh, the uh, temptation to see ourselves in this world in, in a position that is not the best for us. In Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15, we learn a lot about uh, the prophet Isaiah tells us a little bit about um, what God's mindset is in this. And he says, for this is what the high and exalted one says, he who lives forever, whose name is Holy. He says, I live in a high and holy place. Well, that's good. We can think about it. God says, I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to receive the spirit or to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. That's an encouraging word, man. God, God says through the prophet Isaiah, I live in this high and holy place that is totally separate from all of humanity, but I also live with that person who is of a contrite spirit in a lowly position and they understand um, correctly what their proper position is in the world. And he's saying revival comes we, when we embrace his greatness and our smallness. And I think that's um, so vitally important for us as we look at the world and it's, it's broken, it's lost, it's, it, it just feels like there's so much wickedness in the world. And we look around at it and, um, and being like just wanting it to, it just feels like the culture wants it to get more and more wicked. And we say, what do we do? <laughs> what, what, what can we do? Well, we can humble ourselves. Because the favor of God rests with humble people. And as we learned in week one with the story of Abraham and Lot, and Lot was living in the city of wickedness, had there been um, just 10 righteous people, God would have spared the city um, from judgment. And so I look at that and I look at this verse from Isaiah here, and he says that he revives the heart of the lowly. Then the greatest thing that we could be focused on is humbling ourselves before God. That's the greatest hope for our culture. And I would say to you, like, there are only, again, I've said this a couple of times in this series, is that, man, we are either going to experience a revival. Um, and the, and, and the only way it's going to happen is if the Lord's people humble themselves and more of the people of God, not just a few, but more of the people of God humble themselves, then we can literally have a great awakening. And it sounds impossible, but it has happened historically a a few times. And when I say a great awakening, I don't mean, hey, here's a church over here that's really doing good and growing well and and that our church grows and and is moving. That's not what an awakening is. An awakening is globally, it sweeps across the whole planet. And there is a massive revival. And there are incredible things that come out of it for the good of humanity, Um, like just even advancing. And that's what you would expect from a revival. It's not just morally we shift, but that that things shift for us even in our advancement and our ability to accomplish things in the world because we're living in harmony with the creator of the universe. And so the one option we have is a revival. And, And then. And, um, so we would go. Well, what if I humble myself, and there's not enough other people that humble themselves, and, and a revival doesn't come? Well, Jesus will, right? Jesus will return, and it's. Imp- and you say, maybe it's in your lifetime, maybe it's not. Uh, maybe there's another hundred years, two hundred years, that things are going to continue to get worse. But this is what I would say to you: It's not a waste of your time to humble yourselves before the Lord, because we're living in an air er- uh, a, a period of time where um, you, you know, you used to, to kind of believe and rely on, on, on your parents' faith to kind of help you get along in life, but we're, we're, we're well past that now. And I think that we're in this place that if you are not walking and experiencing the favor of the Lord, you're probably going to throw in the towel spiritually. You're probably because it's going to get too difficult. If, if we don't have a revival and things continue to go in the direction they are, to be a believer is going to take some real courage. And that's why I'm so um, committed to teaching you the word of God. It's the only two options we sell out and see a revival come, or um, wickedness is going to continue to get worse, and, and we could see some even intense persecution where people are demanding that we not. Um, even take the positions that we're taking, and it's it's happened in history before, and so like it's important for us to be in this place where we are are walking with God and experiencing the favor of God, uh, because uh, you know you want to be prepared for whatever the future holds, and so um, as we talk about today's text, I'm not going to give you a red dog illustration. But I am going to give you a pickleball illustration, okay? So uh, I've been playing pickleball, I don't know, for quite a while. And um, it's a really interesting game. And so those of you who haven't played it or you, like if you've been to Chicken and Pickle and you went one night and you were just playing, that's not pickleball, okay? That's a fun night out, right? That's about like playing bocce ball. It's not what pickleball, pickleball, you got to get a little serious for this game to really like be enjoyable. And so I started out just like everybody else. I, uh, actually, me and uh, um, a friend of mine, Brad, we went down and the first time I did anything with him and his, his wife, that's what we did. And we were like, we really like this game and we weren't playing it properly, uh, but we continued to play it. And, and lo and behold, and you said, what are you talking about this? The Lord is in it, man. The Lord is in it. Because I met soon after that. We had been trying to get this down. I went to a, a, a kind of this outing over at the Barrett's house, and they had invited the Revises. And uh, if you haven't met the Revises, man, you got to meet the Revises. And uh, so I'm over there talking to them, and somehow I bring up pickleball, and she's, she, Mary says, well, I play pickleball. And I was like, really? And she's like, yeah. And she, come to find out, she was sponsored by Chicken and Pickle. I was like, what? And so Mary taught us how to play properly, Okay, And so we started to spend a lot of time with them. And and so this is going on for an extended period of time. And and I've met several of you. Some of you have come to the church through pickleball, which is amazing. uh, But again, it makes me feel a lot better about my addiction. (laughs) <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, so it's been developed. Like, the the game has all these nuances, all right? So you have all these different levels. You you start out, man, and I, I don't know. There's a ranking system out there. It's called your duper rating. And, you you know, a 2-0 is just kind of getting going. And a 3-0 is, a, is making some moves, starting to understand the rules of the game, can keep the ball in bounds. And then going from a 3-0 to a 3-5, things are getting a little bit more serious. And, and it's easy to go... Uh, From a three, it's it's not too difficult to go from three oh to three five. But then, when you get to three five, trying to get to four and trying to get to four five and five, like boy, it's serious at that point. Like, it you got to really develop. And so, everybody's wondering what I am. I'm not telling you, I think it's stupid. (laughs) And so, I'm better than what it says I am, I'll tell you that. (laughs) <laughs> and so, anyway, I, I, I you, the game is just fascinating because you, you, when when you're playing, you're like you see your opponents, and you're thinking, right, well, I'm, we're definitely going to beat them, and then they just mop you up, like, and because they know how to play the game, and they figured out, and they're advanced beyond what you are. And so we, you know, just not too long ago, I had the privilege of uh, of drilling. Um, with a guy who is a professional and he's teaching us a couple of things and, and uh, something clicked for me. It was just one little simple thing, okay? so like, And it was about how to move and position yourself on the court and where you were standing. And so a lot of times you, you, you're trying to be reactive and where your opponent hits the ball, you're trying to make it, but it was becoming much more proactive and going, well, wherever we hit the ball, determines where I'm going to stand on the court and what my responsibility is and making sure that I know what my responsibility and my reach is like within my area that I can play. And then all of a sudden, man, when I just started doing that, nothing, I didn't learn how to hit the ball different, didn't learn how to control the ball any different. I just started getting more balls over the net. I was like, would you look at that? Just look at it. It was coming back and forth, man. And so it was all about the position. And so I said, why are you talking so much about pickleball? Because position is important for us when we're talking about this thing of humility. And so we're gonna look at Psalm chapter 131. And just like you need to be in the right position to be able to improve in this game, you need to be in the right position in order to walk out this place uh, of humility where the favor of God is falling on your life uh, and, and helping you along in your journey. And so uh, Psalm 131, um, David is going to teach us about proper position. It's one of the easiest Psalms to read. It's only three verses long. Uh, and so uh, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon, he's known as the Prince of Preachers way back when, he says it's a very short ladder, but it ascends to great heights. And that's true. It's like this, what, what, what David is going to teach us in these three verses, they're about like a change that happened in him, that he shifted uh, in his life. And, and so he, he, he starts with the negative and he ends up going to the positive things, the positive change that happened for him. So let's just read it. And then, um, and then I'm going to give you some things to help you kind of figure out where are you in the court of life, what, what, like, where are you? What would we rate you at, and how could you go from this to that? In order, simply by understanding the right position to be in when it comes to your relationship with the Lord. And David says, "This, my heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself." I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. And so if we're, going to, if we're going to understand the right position that we need to be in, I think we first need to analyze what position are we in? What are we doing that might possibly be contributing to opposition from the Lord because he says that the, the God opposes the proud, but he gives favor to the humble. What might we be doing in our lives that is keeping the favor of God from falling on our lives that if we simply just adjusted a few things, then all of a sudden the favor of God would start to fall on us in a greater capacity. And then we would see it fall on maybe the people around us and in and, and, um, and our families and in the church. And, and we would literally experience our own personal revival as well as revival among uh, the people of God in our church, and it just kept spreading because why? The favor of God starts to fall in a greater capacity on each one of us. And so here's, here's three questions to help you make uh, and, and analyze your life. Question number one, is my heart proud? Is my heart proud? It's a real simple question. Um, now, pride is the first of all the, the, the seven deadly sins that are mentioned in the Bible, now, we have pride, and there's some pride that is good. Like, I'm, I'm proud of my kids, right? I'm proud of who they are. Proud of what what they um, you know, just who they are. I'm just proud of my children. And that that can be a good healthy pride. Now it could be an unhealthy pride if I start to look at it and look at what I I have raised, look at what my wife and I have done, look how special they are. My kids are smarter than everyone else's kids. My my kids are I've done everything. They're, They're more gifted in all of these different things. And I start to like look at it, look at what I have done instead of recognizing, man, the Lord has given me these souls to raised. They are mine. I love them. And I just thank the Lord for them and pray for him to help me. Well, there's a healthy pride and there's an unhealthy pride. And the unhealthy pride is when I start to look at me. I start to look at my abilities, what I can achieve and how I've done these different things in life. And so humility, on the other hand, is when I come to a place of, and it's not like meekness and lowly lowness and people we run over. That's not what we mean by humility. As a matter of fact, humble people, are, uh, according to the word, humble people are probably the strongest people on the planet, okay? Bar none. I want to say that. Humble people are the strongest people on the planet. And because a humble person submits to the authority of God in their lives, they're consistently humbling themselves before the Lord. They're consistently bowing down, and instead of being prideful, they've learned how to walk in obedience to who Christ is and what God is has called them to. And so pride is what keeps us from surrendering to Jesus in obedience. You know, whatever it might be, whatever the Lord is calling us to do, it is generally pride that keeps us from doing it. And so many people believe, but they don't surrender. They're sort of like Lot. They live in the city of wickedness, but they're not surrendering to the truth of God. So ultimately, even though they believe in God, The city of wickedness that they live in also lives in them. And that's what happens. And it is because you, uh, Lot would not surrender to the things of God, he was surrendering to the things of the city. And that's what caused him, uh, that's what caused the city ultimately to perish uh, because he couldn't even lead his own family before the Lord. And it only needed 10 righteous people uh, in order to be spared from judgment. And so we look at that and go, man, um, it's easy to be in a position where you believe but don't um, surrender. And so what, what you would do is you would look at your life and you would say, well, I know, like, I know there's some things that I'm not surrendering to the Lord. I know I could do better, um, but you know, the Lord knows my heart and he loves me, which is true. But what you don't recognize is everything in that statement is a heart filled with pride. And you would never say that to yourself. You would, say, uh, you would say other things about yourself, but you wouldn't recognize what is keeping you from surrendering in different areas of your life is you're too proud to humble yourself before the Lord and let him be God and you be submissive to him. And so therefore, you're not walking in the favor of the Lord. You may be walking in the favor of man. You may be walking in the blessings of the world, but you are not walking in the favor of the Lord, and therefore you are putting your family at jeopardy. You're putting your kids' faith at jeopardy. You're putting the church at jeopardy because you are not walking in the favor of the Lord that you should be walking in. And the more that you are walking in the favor of the Lord, the greater capacity the Spirit has to do something among us. And that's what the Lord is saying through the prophet Isaiah, I live in a high and holy place, but I also come and live with the lowly and contrite of spirit. And so a lack of surrender is due to a proud heart and it's deadly. And we need to understand that. And so I'd ask you the first question, if you want to analyze where are you at in the court of life, is my heart proud? Here's the question number two, are my eyes arrogant? Um, David says, um, my eyes are not haughty. What in the world does that mean? It's it's talking about how do you see yourself, okay? How do you see yourself? If you see yourself as a pretty good person, you go, I'm a pretty good guy, you know, and uh, I'm pretty good at what I do. And I'm good at the job I do. I'm I'm a pretty good dad. I'm involved in my kids' lives. I I make sure that I'm doing all these different things. I'm a pretty good guy. If you're not careful, it's just a small um, step until you get into a place where you start to think that God needs you. (laughs) And and you start to look at the rest of the world and, and you go, well, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm not as bad as that guy. Now, the problem with this is, it's just in a world filled with wickedness, I mean, you can look really good in our culture right now and still be pretty bad, right? That's the reality. If you're measuring yourself by yourself or by, you see, this is what they said last week in, in the text we were in. I didn't, I didn't exegete all of this, but in 2 Corinthians, he, he starts to talk about that you guys, like it's not wise to compare yourselves with yourselves or measure yourself by yourself. And that's what they were doing. No, we measure ourselves by the one who lives in the high holy place and we have a contrite spirit. And so we, um, we, we see ourselves accurately and it's, it's easy to get into this place where we think we're pretty good people. I mean, like I give to charities. I mean, I even like, you may be there thinking to yourself, well, I'm a pretty good person. Like I saw in that commercial and them dogs, man, and they're suffering and then the shelter and I wrote a check. Well, bless your heart. That didn't make you right with, didn't make you right with God, right? Um, you can be filled with pride in that. You can have spiritual arrogance and just be blind. And the reality is um, that there are a lot of people who are spiritually arrogant and they're missing a lot of truth because of their position just like you're in the wrong place and those passing shots are flying by because you're over here. You're missing truth because you have positioned yourself in an arrogant place and your heart has pride in it and you haven't surrendered to the Lord. And so you're not getting the most out of life and the things that you're trying to enjoy, you can't really enjoy all because you're in the wrong position. Now, the funny thing about pickleball is that, that um, uh, if, you're part, if you're playing with somebody who knows how to be in the right, or if you know how to be in the right position and you play, because you play with a lot of strangers in pickleball, is that you might play with somebody who doesn't really understand positioning pro- properly. And what happens is, is you're trying to move correctly and they're not moving with you. Then they hit the ball in a place that is impossible for you to return because you can't cover that much court. And then when the other person slams the ball on you, they look at you and think it's your fault. Why? Because they're in the wrong position and they're arrogant. And they can't see that it is their fault that caused this. And they're missing truth. They're missing the truth of the reality of what is actually happening in this game. And the fact of the matter is, is for me, I get so incredibly frustrated at how many people are playing the game at life at a 2-0 level. And I'm looking like, what is this? This is not what this is about. At what point in time do we come to a place in our journey where we're like, hey man, I'm gonna recognize that I've got some pride in my heart that is keeping me from advancing in, uh, with God because his favor can't fall on me. He actually is opposing me because of the pride that exists in me. I'm gonna to surrender to the Lord as soon as he shows me what it is that I'm to obey. I'm gonna walk out my obedience and I'm gonna experience the favor of God and my family's going to experience the favor of God because they're gonna watch me. Experience the favor of God, and they're going to want to do that themselves. And so, all of a sudden, we start to get traction. But if we're not careful, um, our eyes can become arrogant and we miss a lot of truth. And so, you may uh, be a person here that would think, Well, I don't need all this. (laughs) I'm doing pretty good. Like, I'm glad I came with my buddy, and I'm sure um, this is really helping him. He's been inviting me for a long time, but I really don't need this. You don't need it because you don't think you need it and your heart is filled with pride and you're spiritually arrogant. You won't submit to the creator of the universe. Some of you have come here this morning and you think, well, I really don't deserve this. I, like, I mean, God has so many things that are going on in the world and does, that, does he really need to focus on me? And I don't deserve it because if you knew how much bad I did. You know, so you feel like that's a humble statement, but the reality is your heart is filled with pride because you're trying to tell God what he can do, when the reality is you don't deserve it. It's called grace. He gives us grace as unmerited favor, and he gives us what we don't deserve. And mercy as he withholds his wrath. And so we have to come to a place where we don't get to tell God what he does and he doesn't do, what he can and cannot do. What we do is we look at what he's teaching us and we submit to it and we walk out our obedience and all of a sudden we start experiencing the favor of God falling on our lives. In Psalm 121, um, we find the proper view of, our, of how we should be looking at life. In Psalm 121, um, the psalmist says, I look to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heavens and earth. Okay, so here's what pride does. Pride looks down and it, takes the, it puts you in a place of God and looks down upon the others around you. So pride says, well, I'm not as bad as that guy over there. Look at what he's doing. At least I'm not doing that. That's Pride. Humility, on the other hand, looks up to God and, and, and recognizes how desperately wicked I am. And I don't compare myself to anybody but God, and then I, all I see is grace and mercy because I know I deserve um, the wrath of God, yet he has spared me from it and given me the gospel. And all of a sudden, I'm constantly trying to think about how can I treat other people the way that God is treating me? And then I'm shifted in my life. And that's what David is describing. And so question number one, is my heart proud? Question number two, are my eyes arrogant? Question number three, and this one's going to hit you hard. Has my ambition gone wild? Has my ambition gone wild? He says, I do not um, concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. So he's overcome ambition in this life. Now, by overcoming ambition, we don't mean that you don't want to achieve. That would be ungodly. That'd be a lazy person. And the, the Lord says a lot, the word says a lot about um, being lazy and slothful. And so it doesn't mean that you don't want to achieve. What it means is that you are comfortable with and you trust the Lord to build your life and you're not trying to do it yourself. You're not trying to run the rat race and trying to make it happen on your timetable. It means that you yield to the word and you let the Lord build your life. And so, um, has my ambition gone wild? Well, we, we, what we have to look is we go, well, are you yielding to the word? Now, if I ask you, and I'm not asking you, I don't want anyone to raise your hand, but invisibly, I want you to raise your hand, okay? If I ask you, did you read the word last week on your own? Did you open up the word and did you get in there and read it? if the only way we can keep our ambition in check is yielding to the word, if we're not in the word, how in the world could we yield to the word? And then we would say, well, I don't have time for that. Why don't I have time for that? Because I've got all these other things that I want to do. Well, does God want you to do them? I don't know if he wants to do them, but I sure as heck want to do them, so I'm doing them. What does that sound like? Pride right? This is what happens in us. And so we we don't recognize that even as believers, we can get our hearts filled with pride where God has to oppose us rather than pouring his favor out on us because we're not walking in the freedom of the gospel. We're walking in the ways of the world and God can't pour favor out upon us because we're not being an example of what the gospel is supposed to do in our lives. And so what what do we got to do is we got to recognize what is happening in and around me. Many believers are busy building Babel instead of resting in Eden. What is Babel? Babel is a city in the Genesis where they went and tried to erect a tower to God and God comes down and confuses it. And there are too many believers who are trying to build the life of the ways the, with the ways of the world and saying that they're believers when they ought to be learning how to rest in Eden and let the Lord build their lives and let him build it as they yield to him and do it on his timetable. This can going to be very difficult to do. It's been hard for me in this ministry. Um, I moved here in 2011. I thought I would come here, and, man, we'd plant the church, and the church would take off and grow, and, and we would just uh, build this incredible ministry that was doing a lot, of things, a lot of things for the kingdom. And year after year goes by, and we just keep sitting at 100, man. What is going on? Like, I'm used to seeing the Lord move in a, in a sweeping move of the hand of the Lord. And I, I like I love to see that. And, I, and so there was temptations along the way that, what could I do to make this happen? Maybe we could do these big things where we're just trying to constantly get more and more people to come up and, uh, and show up on the campus. Or maybe we do a giant mailer. And the Lord had told me very clearly, you know what you do is you yield to me and let me do it. And I'll do it in my time. And it hasn't been except for the last couple of years that it started to move. And it's been hard to walk in that place where I trusted the Lord and let him build things as he wanted to build them. And so we have to flip what the culture values because the culture is always going to try to get us to do things that are anti-God, anti-Christian. That's the spirit of anti-Christ that has been alive and well all the way back to the time of Jesus. He says, there have been antichrists and the spirit of antichrist has always been there. And what is antichrist? Anything that is not pro-Jesus, which is most of the things that you're going to find outside of the word of God. And so how do we flip things? Well, our character must be more important than our career. Your character and who you are in Christ has to be more important than the decisions you make at work that could look like it would be a better decision for you and your family because it's financially put you in a better place. That's thinking like the world. If you're compromising your convictions and the word of God says, don't do these kinds of things. And you're like, well, I know it says that, but I, I like, if I do, if I don't do this, I'm going to miss this deal. What does, what's, what's doing that? That's Pride. A humble person says, well, look, at the Lord says, don't do it. I'm, there's no way I'm going to do it. There's no way I'm getting this deal. And even if I could get this deal by doing it, I don't want this deal. And I'll let the Lord determine whether or not I should have it. And then all of a sudden, we start walking in the favor of the Lord. And so we, um, um, we are concerned about our character above our career. We're concerned about spiritual development more than we are success. And so we get caught up in, um, if, if we're going to flip what's happening in the culture, we have to be caught up in our spiritual development more than we are success. Now, what, what does that mean? It means that I'm constantly thinking about how to be intentional with how I'm growing in the Lord. And so here's a, here's a little exercise for you, and I would challenge you to do this, because it'll tell you a lot about um, how, where you're at with these questions as you analyze your life. And just sit down with a, with a pad of paper, and write on the paper some of your goals. Maybe your goals at your job, and and your goals for your hobbies, or even your goals for things you want to get done around the house, or projects, or whatsoever, whatever it might be. Just write them down, and then just write the headings down. And I say, what am I doing to achieve these goals? Like, um, wh- what am I doing to develop? Like, b- b- even for me, like I like to do projects, I like to bow hunt, and I like to play pickleball. Things I do. I'm going to read articles about some of that. I'm going to practice. I'm going to do all these different kinds of things. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm a person who's wired for achievement. But in that list, right over here what are you doing to develop spiritually? And just write it down. And then compare the thing and go, well, what do you have over here to become a better and more proficient bow hunter? What do you have over here to become a deeper disciple of Jesus? And it will tell you whether or not your achievement has gone wild. That's what David is saying here. He's like, I've not concerned myself with things that are too uh, great for me. I've I've centered myself on you, and I'm letting you lead me in the midst of this. And so these three questions are great assessments of where we are with pride, okay? Okay. And so, if we're honest and we celebrate humility, and that is the hope of the world because the favor of God can fall on each of us. And and as the more favor of God falls on the planet, the greater we have being a a move of the Lord, um, then this is where we want to be. And so, verse two shifts from the negative to positive. And David is describing the great shift in his life, and it's the key to new life. And this is what he says I'm like a weaned child. He says it again. He's like, I, I'm quieted and I'm comforted. I'm like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Now, what he's describing is a transformation in his life where he has learned to, instead of letting pride be the driving force, he had learned to be humble before the Lord. And the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night last night and gave me this. And I've always like always like David is a man after God's own heart. We should look at he went after Goliath and that's why he's a man after God's own heart. He's just bad to the bone. And he was a warrior. That's why he was a man after God's own heart. And the Lord hit me with this. No, he was humble. He was humble. He wouldn't take the throne when Saul, like he, he had clearly, God had communicated to him, he would be the king. And he had multiple times that he could have ki- killed King Saul. And he said, no, I'll let this happen in God's timetable. He continued to wait on the Lord. Even when he sinned and he's, like he, he stumbled in adultery with Bathsheba. And he goes on this just awful dark place in his life. When the prophet, which represents the word of God, shows up in his life, what does he do? He doesn't make excuses. He repents. And humility before God. And he just sees himself rather than seeing himself arrogantly, he sees himself truthfully. He recognizes pride has gotten away and caused him to fall, and he repents. And and we see that the greatest characteristic about Jesus is his humility. He becomes a man in order to save men from sins. God leaves his splendor and takes on flesh. And so it's a difficult process uh, when we talk about this weaning. This is what David says, I'm like a weaned child. And that's where I see the transformation. And uh, when we think about weaning, there's resistance and struggle and tears and tantrums. You don't want that. But the mother and the child, they navigate through it, and the mother knows it's best for the child to be weaned so that it can grow. And so... Some of you are right in the middle of that right now. (laughs) You're trying to like walk through that and I'm proud of you. And it's hard and I get it that it's hard. It was hard for me to walk through the process of being weaned. And you're you're trying to move from this place that you've been in to this place of letting the Lord lead you and walk in humility before him as opposed to walking in pride. Some of you, are too proud to enter the process. Pride has such a grip on your heart that you won't cross over and start to submit to the Lord. So you just justify in your mind, you're fine where you are. I mean, you are part of a church that preaches and teaches the word, which is good. I commend you for that. But no favor falling on your life just because you are here. You might be getting some residual effects from those around you, but it is those of us who are willing to be weaned and go through the struggle, and go through the um, resistance that we would have, and walk out our obedience, that we start to experience the favor of God, those are the people who are really getting it done. And so David, what he's saying here is, I've learned to love God for who he is, instead of what he gives. And the prideful person is just looking to God, give me salvation so I don't go to hell. Give me uh, good health so I don't have to suffer in the hospital. Just give me, give me, give me. But the humble person has come to a place in their lives when they are weaned and they're trying to walk in humility. And I would just say, we don't ever become um, like, oh, now I'm humble. <laughs> it's constant. Like, uh, as soon as you think you're humble in that statement, it says you're not, Right? <laughs> And so we have to constantly work on it. And so how does one position himself for weaning? Well, here it goes. Sean, come and get ready. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. This is a picture of Uh, Again, a child like David is picturing. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Here it is. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Lord tells us clearly what the proper position is, and it is this, yoke up with Jesus and learn from him. If you want to get in the right position in life, you yoke up with Jesus and you learn. And you keep learning. You keep submitting to his authority. Now, what is a yoke? Well, in, there are two things in, historically that this means. One, every rabbi had a yoke of teaching. And so he's talking about his yoke of teaching. And then they used a yoke to yoke up oxen to work the ground. And so Jesus is saying, yoke up with me, take my teaching, and learn. Now, a yoke is like you're tying yourself to something, right? If you do not intentionally, listen to me, if you do not intentionally yoke up with Jesus every day, you unintentionally will start filling your heart with pride. So if you're not in the word and you're not like trying to pray and you're not trying to struggle, If you're not struggling in your spiritual development and stretching, you're just letting pride come in. And it is pride telling you that you don't need to do it. It is pride telling you that you don't have time to do it. It is pride. It is pride. It is pride. It is pride. So don't throw the rocks at the people who are proud of their sin if you're going to go through life and be proud of yours too. This is what it means to celebrate humility. All people need to humble themselves before the Lord so that he can pour favor out in their lives. And so what's the big idea for today's talk? Don't be a baby, right? Don't be a baby, man. Grow up, like grow up and recognize that your position in life is one in which you're receiving the truth and returning it back to God and you're beginning to experience some movement that you haven't experienced before. That's what it's like to be humble. That's what it's like to be improving. is because the Lord is like in it with you because he gives favor to the humble and the proud are just watching the truth. They don't even see the truth sometimes. they just flying by. And so don't be a baby. Get in there. And don't be afraid of being weaned and start loving Jesus for who he is, not what he gives. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word and its clarity. We pray that we would learn to be humble and we would never stop learning from you. That we would celebrate it, Lord. And we would celebrate it so well, Lord, that the people that are walking in pride would recognize it in our lives and we would be able to teach them just like you've taught us and the gospel would spread and grow and move as you've designed it to do. I thank you for all these people, Lord. I know that many are in here, Lord, and they're they're struggling. They're trying to wean. They're trying to get here to this place and and just help them to know there's no rush. Just be patient that you are humble, you are gentle, and you lead us along, yes, one day at a time. There are others, Lord, who who want to step over the line and need the courage to do so, and I pray that they would see that it's swallowing pride in this moment and confessing that they want to walk this life with you. They want to be a disciple of yours. I pray that you'd help them to do it. And then just, Lord, for the entire body, establish us so that we might experience an awakening among the community that we live in. And we plead with you, Lord, in humility on behalf of the wickedness of the world, that you would help us to walk in your favor so that judgment could be spared and that you would grow our number and that more and more people will come into the freedom of the gospel, something we don't deserve, but the good news we receive as a gift. We love you, we thank you, and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.